Pope St. John Paul II said that discovering Christ always again and always more fully is the most wonderful adventure of our life. Blazing the Trail is a weekly conversation where we talk about this adventure with courage and hope while sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit is doing in Western Oregon and beyond. Welcome back to Blazing the Trail, heard here on Mater Dei Radio and through the podcast channel of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. I am your host, Miriam Marston, and it is wonderful to be with you all each week as we take a closer look at the evangelizing mission of the Church. My guest this week hails from Louisiana, and I really enjoyed hearing his kind of -of matter-of-fact approach to faith and ministry. His name is David Dawson, and he works for the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. And why do I say matter-of-fact? Well, he has a straightforward way of talking about the reality of God. You'll hear him say that God is not just an idea, and that He does real things. David doesn't strike me as someone who would be satisfied with just a performative expression of the faith. It has to be real right down to the roots. And when we consider the profound reality of God, this means that there's also tremendous depth to our own Christian identity and mission. David learned this in a particular way when he was working in the area of youth ministry. He said that it felt like he was just scratching the surface, that there really wasn't enough time to to get to the heart of the matter. But instead of simply throwing in the towel, he expanded his ministry to reach out to parents and families. Because it's true, I could work with teens maybe a couple of hours a month, but they spend way more time at home and among friends. So for ministry to be truly fruitful, it has to look at that bigger picture, and it has to be unafraid to engage with life outside of an hour or two on the weekends. So please enjoy my conversation with David as he shares his work to help create those places and moments where families and parishioners can have an experience of God together. And he'll tell us why discernment is so key to everything, from family life to parish life, and especially when it might feel like we're always falling behind and not sure where to go next. Joining me on the show today is David Dawson, who is the Director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. David, it is so wonderful to have you on the show today. How are you today? Good, good. Thanks so much. It's a joy to be able to join you. Awesome. Well, how are things going in Louisiana? It's good. It's getting hot. (laughs) Getting hot already. Oh my gosh. How how hot are we talking right now? Right now it's high 80s, uh, but we're going to be in the next few weeks getting into the, the mid to high 90s. Oh, man. And I'm sure very humid as well. Yeah, that's the kicker. That is the kicker. Um, I don't miss that humidity being from the the East Coast, the Southeast. Yep. I I don't miss it. So, yes, uh, God be with you all. (laughs) (laughs) We we enjoy our time outside in the the winter. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Well, David, if you could please walk us through some of your story, uh, in particular, we'd love to hear your own experience of evangelization. Um, Do you recall what it was like to have that encounter with Christ for the first time? Who shared the faith with you? What has that journey looked like? Sure. Yeah. For me, I grew up in a a, a devout Catholic family um, and and we were always involved in parish life. Uh, But I I do remember as as a child just wondering like, okay, how real is this? And constantly really like giving a hard stare to everybody who came with uh with some, some authority or who speak, who spoke with authority, like, Hey, no, this is good stuff. And, uh, there's something to see here. 
And I remember just digging deep, but like, really, you really got something, you know, like, <laughs> is this real? How real is this? Um, and so I, I, it's something I wrestled with and, uh, to the point where, you know, I felt like it might be a call to the seminary, um, at one point. And, uh, it took, you know, I, it, at some point that for me was kind of a turning point because it was like, all right, look, does God really do stuff? Does he really call people? Uh, or is it just that there's some people who tend to be more open to it? Some people who aren't as excited about marriage and family, I guess, you know, and so, but it took meeting some guys who were willing and open uh, to hear what God was doing and not be afraid to take steps in that direction. And so I did, I ended up entering the seminary um, after a couple of years at LSU, Louisiana state university. And uh, I was in seminary for four years. And I think for me um, being in seminary, I was two years minor and two years major for the diocese of Baton Rouge. And um, it was, that was a powerful experience. I think being able to, a key component for me was tra- working through the journey with other guys yeah. um, and being able to share those experiences. Like, okay, is it me or is it God? You know, how much can I really trust? Uh, does God really have my best interest in mind? Or is it just about me kind of performing, trying to do my best to prove to God that I, that I, I value what he's got going, you know? And yeah. I think um, that was a key to be able to, to, to process that openly and honestly with other, with other guys who were on the same journey and trying to, and willing to give everything, you know, whatever it took, uh, but not really sure what that was going to look like or, or what it meant or how God was going to respond and being able to see that play out for me and, and getting some clarity. That's not what he was calling me to. Yeah. And then uh, leaving the seminary, not having a clue <laughs> what that was going to mean and where he was going to lead me. But it's been since then, uh, just a roller coaster of, of what's the next step, you know, and he's made it very clear what the next step is. And when I'm willing to take that next step, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful gift every time. And so I think for me that the defining factor has been not only does God do real things, but he knows me better than I know myself. And he knows uh, what I can give better than I know. And he knows what's going to, what's going to fit my heart and fill me up uh, more than I could have asked for or imagined. And so to be able to see that continue over and over again through all the changes and all the, the, the strange things that he's called us to, um, us meaning my wife and I, we were married in, in 2007. Um, and now we've got eight kids, <laughs> which is quite an adventure. Uh, and, and it's, so uh, yeah, it's been very, a very concrete. I think for me, it's been a key, a very concrete experience of God providing and, uh, and, and his wisdom and power able to move us when we couldn't picture it, just the, the unexpectedness and the, and the, the wisdom of God that is above and beyond what we could picture. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, David. And it sounds as sure. though uh, the foundation of that that faith was, it sounds like it was fairly strong. Something you grew up with was really woven into your life. It sounds like the it was that trust in terms of discernment and where to go mm. next with that faith, um, yes. which, uh, yeah, take us down that road then, David. Sure. What has, how has we've seen how that translated into your vocation. How did that figure into some of your professional work ministry? What did did that vocational path look like there? Yeah. So I found myself very much attracted to um, the, the things that provided those kinds of experiences, like being able to get into the nitty gritty, that God is not just an idea that his, his teachings and his, you know, all the things that he offers aren't just good ideas. Like do they actually make a difference? And so I found myself uh, pretty quickly um, working with young people, you know, was, was kind of a, an easy thing, I guess. At first I was teaching 
at a Catholic high school at first. And then that morphed into youth ministry because uh, I found that uh, the high school environment, although I could do a really great job, the kids were, you know, starting in around second grade. It's, it's the teacher versus the kids. And <laughs> only so much you can do to get around that. Um, but to be able to actually walk with, with young people. And then I found working with young people in youth ministry, despite how fruitful it was, uh, I could only really scratch the surface uh, because it was their parents who had the greatest impact. And then just looking at studies over and it's like, you know, it, it's funny how it takes looking at studies, but to realize that, that regardless of how much we do, we can't overcome the impact and, and the, the, the uh, influence that a family has over an individual that, Oh, when it comes down to it, none of us make sense by ourselves that we only make sense in light of our families. That, uh, that's who we are is defined by number one, the unity of our parents, <laughs> which is a biological reality, but it's also a spiritual and a, and a psychological reality. Um, and so that became very clear to me doing youth ministry that what I was dealing with was not just an individual, but was a, was an individual in and of themselves, but was also defined by the unity of other people and then their, or their lack of unity, you know, if, if a child has some serious woundedness. And so that led me into doing marriage and family ministry, uh, realizing, and, and God, God was leading the whole process, but it's funny how he was revealing to me, like, here's why I'm leading you into this. <laughs> it's not just because this is good one thing among many, but because ultimately where I work is not just in the context of like an individual in, in, in isolation on an island, but an individual in the context of their unity with other people. The unity is ultimately the name of the game. And so when God does things, it's usually in the context of it's never just for us and it's never just uh, in us. And so, uh, yeah, so being able to see the individual in the context of the family, the family in the context of the parish community. And so that led me into really focusing a lot of my energy on working with marriages in particular, but also with families and then how they interact with uh, the sacramental life of the church and the communal life of the church. That that really is the key that if we can have experiences of God in the context of our families, in our homes, when no one's watching, when we're, you know, just our ugly, stupid selves, <laughs> which is a harsh way to put it, but that's, that's how we feel, you know? And then if that, if, if it can happen there, then that will change how we operate in our parishes and in sacramental life. And then what we receive in the parishes and in, in the sacramental life has a place to grow and develop and mature when we're at home and, and no one's watching, when we're interacting with our spouses and our kids, when we're our most ourself, you know? Uh, yeah. How did you find in a parish community, for instance, how would, how would you make space or kind of facilitate those uh, experiences um, that yes. you're talking about? What might be an example? So one of the things uh, we started with, so I, you know, I was starting with youth ministry and uh, wanting and, and realizing the need for connecting with families and especially the need for working within marriages and helping people have not just communication skills, not just life skills, but to have an experience of God together. Yeah. I began to see uh, there was in the parish that I was working with, there was a, a, a retreat program called ACTS, which is something that spread around the country, right? Very effective. Uh, we had men who were going to these ACTS retreats and having life-changing experiences and they'd come home and, uh, their wives would be like, wow, okay, something has changed. This is real. Uh, what is it? And he's like, you got to go, you know, and she would go to the actual treat and the assumption. It was funny how that was his first, usually his first desire as a, if, if the man was married, I was like, I, you got to have this experience. I can't just have this experience by myself. I need you to share this with me. So she would go to the retreat and have the experience too, but it was her own experience and she'd come home and it was beautiful. And there was, there was potential for unity in the faith. 
But what typically ended up happening was it'd be kind of on parallel tracks, uh, trying to like, they were trying to throw ropes to each other across the Canyon, you know, and that's how my wife and I felt the same way. Um, we both valued it. We both wanted it. And we assumed that, you know, if, if we both valued it, then we'd be on the same page, which was not necessarily the case. And the truth is when it came to the spiritual stuff, the more, uh, we tried really even some of our spiritual lives and the differences and the being on opposite sides of the Canyon was, uh, was divisive and it actually caused some, some, some struggles and begin to see that in other marriages too. And really, again, it wasn't that I came up with something God kind of put into my lap is it was a parish program. And again, this is not because there's a silver bullet here, but this particular was our experience that something called the couple prayer series, uh, which came out of, it's out of the Archdiocese of Detroit, or there's a, there's a deacon and his wife who serve in the Archdiocese of Detroit who put together this video program. And it's simple. It's not that complicated. And they tell you the same thing. It's not a special technique or anything. It's just something helping couples to pray together simply just hold hands and just pray, which is very simple, but it's also very difficult because it's extremely vulnerable and intimate. But what we saw when we did this program that was just dropped in our laps, the couples were starting to just pray together and God was responding. And I got to tell you, that was the game changer for us. And for all these couples, we began to see like, not only does God want to respond, but he wants to respond to the couple together at the same time. (laughs) And that was I mean, it was just opening doors and helping people to see that, that God is real in a way that nothing else could. Yes, we I, obviously we do come to God as individuals, but especially for married couples, uh, it was almost as if God was like, this is what I was waiting for. I didn't put you together to just come to me by yourselves. I put you together so you could experience me together. And when we experience God with someone else, it's so much more real and undeniable and unitive, right? And so that that for us uh, was a huge game changer. Awesome. Prayer yeah. changes things for sure. Yeah. Yeah. For those who are just uh, tuning in, I'm speaking with David Dawson, who is the director of the Office of Parish Support for the Diocese of Homa Thibodeau. Uh, David, if we can segue into your current responsibilities now, you worked in marriage and family life. Uh, what is your ministry looking like in this position of parish support? Um, how yes. has that moved forward then? Yeah, again, an unexpected move here. Uh, but, but God was very clear in the same way that he's been. That like, look, I know you trust me. Uh, this is the next step. So I'd like you to consider that. And so, anyway, well, you, you haven't failed us yet. And uh, so we're going to move in that direction. And so we did. And basically the way that the diocese here, especially the ministerial offices of the diocese of Homa Thibodeau is focused on um, the spiritual life of parishes in particular, that there is a very much a focus on that, that in the parish community is where the action happens. That's where we come to really receive the Lord. And so a huge move away from kind of diocesan events and diocesan ministries as such to really focus our energy on supporting what's happening at the parishes and helping them uh, to get things moving. So what they did was to kind of combine all the ministerial offices to where, where I was doing in, in office of marriage and family life in new Orleans was to yeah. provide support and guidance uh, for marriage and family ministry in all 110 dioceses, 110 parishes in the archdiocese, which is difficult uh, because in order to provide that kind of support, you have to develop relationships with the pastor and the leadership teams, which is hard in all those parishes. And because I only had that one piece of the pie, you know, I I was providing support for just that one area of ministry where these parish pastors and these parish leaders were doing all of them for their parish. And they had 10 to 12 experts who were knocking on their office door saying, hey, here's what you need to focus on. Here's what you need to think about. 
which make it makes it hard. And so I, you know, yeah. So basically what they did here was they combined all those. And instead of each person being focused on one area of ministry, we each have a small number of parishes that we provide all of those areas of support for. So that way we can develop relationships with a small number of parishes and they only have to deal with one person who they can learn, can come to trust uh, and who knows kind of the, the whole picture of what they're dealing with and is able to help them wade through those waters as a whole. Uh, so we found it to be much more human, um, much more natural, you know, organic. Um, and it's much more about relationship and trust. And we're able to do that. Um, and so what we're finding is that, number one, it's much more fulfilling for me. Uh, I loved what I was doing. I love the people I was working with. But as far as trying to make progress, and trying to provide, you know, best practices and that kind of thing, I think I feel like here it's much more about accompaniment. Um, not that it wasn't there. It's just I can feel that now you know there's a very deep sense that uh, accompaniment is happening and it's possible uh which is necessary for real progress mm. that's yeah. a that's a really interesting model of yes. parish support david that's that's yeah i'm intrigued by that um yeah. you know one question that's coming to mind is there was a turning point for you in terms of the marriage and family side yes. of things and that was prayer i'm wondering in your in your work with like parish teams, pastors, the staff, uh, the, that's what's, what could be analogous in terms of, of the prayer turning point? Cause you had that prayer yeah. program. Have you absolutely. seen something analogous with uh, parish teams? Yes, absolutely. So what we're seeing is that the key to, um, having hope when as a parish, you constantly feel like you're behind the eight ball, uh, as far as trying to provide, the gift of God's presence, his power, his sacraments, salvation, you know, you're working against and you're competing with a world that you, you're going to lose and people are not going to care and progress is going to be extremely slow. Uh, but when the key is discernment, when we're putting it in God's hands and we're being taught and guided to put it in God's hands mm-hmm. and ask him, all right, you tell us what to focus on and who to focus on and how to do that and who needs to be involved, then we are walking according to what he's laying out. So we know that the work is the Lord's. And I, we, we all know that intellectually that the work is the Lord's. Yeah. But the assumption is that we've got to carry it out. And the truth of the matter is the work is the Lord's and he's allowing us to participate. But there's no way we can really understand that unless we're discerning literally on a daily basis how to move forward and what he wants us to focus on. So a lot of our focus uh, and our guidance and our we provide a team of liaisons. So each liaison has a small number of parishes, five to eight parishes that they're assigned to. And most of what we do is sit and listen and learn and then to discern with and teach discernment and teach, all right, what does it look like to sit and just listen to God's voice? He wants to speak to us about how we operate as a parish. He wants to speak to us about who needs to be involved and how, how and when to invite that person and then how to form, how to continue to help form that person. So they can continue to grow and then they can witness to and provide. And then who are we reaching out to and when? Because all those things typically, otherwise, if we're not asking God, then that's all on us to figure out. And it's overwhelming. It's too much. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So the, the, the prayer is the, it, what I've learned through that, uh, that, that prayer series, and as well as following programs like domestic church and that kind of thing is if we can help with the nitty gritty of, am I praying? Am I asking God? If I'm not, why not? Because the truth is we're not as much as we, we ought to or should be or whatever. And usually we don't really know why we're not. 
And it takes a company, man. It takes walking with someone to say, okay, are you praying? Am I praying? Are we actually praying or we just believe that prayer is good? And if we're not, then like, what, what is the real, cause there is a real obstacle. We're not, we're not crazy. You know, we're not just, I, I want to pray, but I don't because I'm crazy. It's, I want to pray, but I don't because I don't really want to. Why don't I want to? Mm-hmm. I struggle to trust. I struggle to, to, to feel like it's, it's anything's going to happen. Why? To be able to break that open with somebody is absolute gold because then we can move forward. So we find that that's what we end up spending a lot of our time doing. Yeah. And you know, David, as you're saying that I'm, I'm circling back to where you started with your story. The the first thing, like, is this really real? Like what's going on here? Like really getting at, um, I mean, I'm hearing this theme of reality. Like if this is all real, it should change everything, inform everything things cannot be the same. And in the Christian right. life, it's, they will be radically new. And that's the call. Yes. Um, you know, I know you've not been in this particular position for too long. I think you're coming up on a year. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. Yeah. So it hasn't been too long. I know things take time, but where have you started to see even the smallest, like, signs of fruit and, and, mm. um, and hope just leave us with that note. Where have you started to see sure. even, even the smallest sign David will take? <laughs> yes, absolutely. I, I will say relationships with pastors yeah. has been so beautiful. Um, and, and some of them are struggling because they've been isolated for a long time. Yeah. Um, they feel like they're, they're, they've had needs that haven't been met because it's just the structure is hard. It's hard to have those needs met to, to feel like they're not just, it's all on them. And so to be able to have relationships with pastors and just sit and talk and pray together, uh, that has been beautiful outside of even any kind of progress or changes made in the parish, just to be able to see priests begin to, and it's a beginning, begin to uh, see that there may be some possibility that they're not alone, that they've got somebody who cares and is willing to spend some time and pray and listen has been a huge help. Um, we just recently, uh, got together a bunch of the youth formation coordinators in the diocese and we got together and spent time, uh, we, we spent time praying. We said, listen, come up with a couple of questions that you have for your, for your, for your ministry, who to get involved might be one. You need to recruit some, some mentors. Um, you know, what, what kind of curriculum should you, should you be, should you be using? And we sat and just prayed a couple of decades of the rosary, actually listening to see if Mary wanted to speak to us about any of those things. And it was beautiful that they got to hear each other come up with names of people that they would have never have thought of. Uh, they're like, yeah, I think that we need to reach out to that person and to hear each other talk about it here. Like God actually has some ideas here <laughs> and it's not something you would have come up with. And, and, and watch what happens when you ask, because what we're hearing is that they'll say things like, you know, I, I felt like God was maybe calling me to do something. I just didn't know what, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's across the board. So it's, it's just, like you said, we're just getting started. But we're seeing that people are, uh, uh, the, the hope is very much growing. Uh, there's a deep sense that, that God is able to communicate and is able to know our deepest needs and desires as people who work in the vineyard. And most of it is just that we're, we're, we're not alone. He's able to speak to us and he's able to provide us with a, with, with a community of people who we can walk with. That's awesome. What a great note to end on, David. We've come to the end of our time together. I'm so grateful uh, for the time you took today to chat and uh, to encourage our listeners in their own work, wherever they might be in the vineyard of our Lord. I ask that God continue to bless uh, you, your family, and uh, in your work. So thank you so much, David. God bless you. Thank you. You too. 
David gave us a number of important insights, but one that I want to focus on as we wrap up this episode is his observation that married couples can fall into a pattern of running on parallel paths in the spiritual life. Now, it can start in a well-intentioned way. Two people who want to grow deeper in their friendship with Christ and their understanding and love of the faith, all of that, that's, that's great. But when it becomes, as David put it, a matter of being on different sides of the canyon, that's where couples can slide into some pretty tough challenges. Because we're not meant to run on parallel tracks. As David reminded us a few times, unity is the name of the game. And elsewhere, he said that none of us make sense by ourselves. And it's true not just for marriage and family, it's true in every area of life and vocation. If it's starting to feel like you're living on an island, it's probably time to discern how you ended up there and how you can make your way off that island. After all, even God, who is perfect unity, is three persons in one. Again, none of us make sense by ourselves. We were made to be in relationship with others. And so much goes back to prayer and the promises of God. So I want to close with these words from Second Chronicles. If then, my people, upon whom my name has been pronounced, humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their evil ways, I will hear them from heaven and pardon their sins and heal their land. Now therefore my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayer of this place. Now I have chosen and consecrated this house, that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart shall be there always. Again, that was from Second Chronicles, and it's so true, my friends, that God hears our prayers and oh, how He wants to heal our land. But the first land that always needs healing over and over again is our own heart. So let's never forget to start there and invite once again the Lord to reign over our lives. Thank you so much for tuning in, and please join me next week as we continue to blaze a trail of hope in Western Oregon and beyond. Until then, stay well and stay close to Christ. God bless you all. You've been listening to Blazing the Trail, produced through the studios of the Archdiocese of Portland. Join us in our mission to share the good news of Jesus Christ across Western Oregon by visiting archdpdx.org.